stuff. And, uh, and so I've, I've kind of coined a couple of phrases. One of them is um, that in life there's always stuff, right? You might say that's a that's, that's groundbreaking statement. I mean, uh, earth-shattering. But it is true. There's three uh, truths there in that, though, uh, that in life there's always stuff. Um, there's always a plan that God offers in this stuff, and we always have a choice. So because there's always stuff, God always offers a plan, and we always have choices. And then there's more stuff. So this morning we're going to think about that circle probably a little bit uh, because uh, my journey with God has been mostly about me changing. Anybody testify to the same thing? Like, um, and even if I didn't have God in my life, life has a lot to do with just change, right? If, I, if I'm walking with someone who doesn't know God and we're working through uh, anything, we're talking about just stuff of life and we're talking about how hard it is and what we need to do in it, and therefore we're talking about change. <laughs> it's really annoying, um, but it's life, right? And, and sometimes, well, for me, what's been really helpful is to embrace this circle of life that is this, that there's always stuff, there's always a plan that God offers, and I always have a choice, right? Um, often in my life, I get stuck at number two. So God offers a plan, and I have another one, right? And I'm walking with people that maybe aren't walking with God. I, I, I enjoy that because their problems seem to be real or, or they're real about it more often. And, and so you start walking through an issue or a thing where they're stuck and they're telling you, I just can't get through or this is really frustrating. And we're talking about change. They're talking about change and they're, they're saying, but... How? How do we get through it? And I say, well, how have you done it in the past? What's worked for you? You know, and they, they pause and they think about that. They say, well, we, you know, I just kind of figure it out, right? Or something happens. I say, that's kind of like having a plan and going about it or just tossing a coin, right? Or what if I told you that God created us and had a plan? Would you rather flip the coin or go with the plan? And most people say, go with the plan. I say, that's great, but let me tell you, walking with God, I often just flip a coin and go with that, even though I know God. And so this is what I would just want to talk about, just be real this morning with you, that uh, this is something I think we all face. If you could just look at your life for a second, just in your mind's eye, and think, is there anything in my life right now that's just... It's just stuff that I'm going through. Is there a God plan? Is there a way out on offer for you? The answer is obviously, yes, there's stuff. Yes, there's a plan. Maybe you don't know about it, but it's there because he, he's faithful like that, annoyingly so. And, right? And the wrestle is with, will I choose to go with him or do it my own way? Can we, can we get, get real this morning? So I'd just like to pray and, uh, and ask God to help us um, in whatever uh, part of that cycle we're in. 
facing stuff, looking for the God plan, or stuck on trusting him with it. So let's just pray. Father God, I thank you that this morning um, there's stuff because it offers us an opportunity to move towards you, to trust you more, and to lean into you in a greater way. And Father, I just pray this morning you'd move us to change. Father, if there's uh, something in our heart and our mind or our life that is uh, keeping us stuck, Father, we ask you that you would move uh, in that area in our life, either through this morning as we talk about it, that you reveal certain things that help us to move, Holy Spirit, or that you would come and just break the chains that are holding us back and, uh, and reveal that plan and help us to move into it. Father, I pray this morning that, um, above all, that you would receive all the glory, all the honor, and, uh, and that you have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's stuff. And uh, so I would love to, if you have your Bibles or app or something of that nature, if you would go with me to Genesis 32. I'm going to be uh, camping out there, but um, because it's a story of Jacob and Esau, it's kind of a large story, right? It, it's, it's, it's a big one. Um, so... Wi-Fi is saying no. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. Um, why are you saying no to me, Wi-Fi? Saying it doesn't want to open my thing. Everybody say yes. Wi-Fi said yes. downloading. Um, it was open, then it closed, then it's downloading. Okay, so in Genesis, I want to do a backstory for, for chapter 31 and 33, kind of, of the beginning and the end. 32 is the middle. I would say many of us spend most of our life in the middle, right? Um, not kind of in the, in the beginning stages of something great or at the triumphal end. We spend most of our life in the middle, <coughs> right? I have seven sons. I am constantly in the middle of something it just it just is that way <laughs> so in Genesis 31 it's pretty cool because um, God speaks he does that he likes to talk and he speaks to um, Jacob's uh, wives he speaks to them and uh, that's right plural wives but he speaks to his wife specifically and says uh, gives her a piece and a direction that um, that they need to follow their husband, Jacob. And Jacob has a dream about what he needs to do is to go back to the land that God had given them. And the reason he has to go or go back is he's out of that land because he argued, had a fight with his brother, stole his birthright and got into a fight, as you do as brothers. And he's in this land, after a long story, he's in this land, living with um, uncle or father-in-law, and he is uh, not happy. He's in a relationship thing with his um, father-in-law that's broken is the best way to describe it, but who knows, relationships are tricky, right? So it's a messed up relationship. And he is being, uh, he's being blessed, 
and there's jealousy. And so here, he, as, a, as a son-in-law, he's blessed, and the father is like, man, you know, just putting pressure on him. You're blessed. I'm not. Why is that? I want to be, you know, I want that blessing you've gotten. Several times he's trying to steal that blessing off of Jacob. And so uh, God gives him a dream and tells him, you need to go back to your uh, promised land, the land that I gave you. And the problem with that is when he goes back, he has to face his past, his brother. And he's like, if I go back there, I'm a dead man. If I stay here, I have to deal with this mess. But God said go, so he's, he's faced with change. I got to change. I got to move to something new. And so in Genesis 31, it ends with them understanding that this is what we got to do. We got to go. And it's, uh, the blessing of that is that it's confirmed. You know, it's kind of where a lot of people get this confirmation thing. You know, if you're going to go, uh, you know, confirm it with husband and wife and then go. And, and uh, my wife and I have walked through that, you know, when there's big decisions to be made. And in this season right here, you see a transition in, thir- in, uh, in chapter 32 of Genesis where now they're going. And the decision's been made, but Jacob, for whatever reason, hesitates. And it describes in, uh, in this chapter of what he processes through, and he begins a, to lay out his own plan of how he's going to be in good standings with his brother when he goes back into the land. They have to cross over a stream, some uh, versions of the Bible say, or river, and as he's crossing over, he knows that uh, his brother's over there. He sends first someone to go for him, right, to spy the land or to spy the relationship because he goes straight to his brother with this uh, spy, if you would, or uh, I call it a spy because what happens is he brings back a, an account of what's over there. So he was spying, but he went to tell him, hey, your brother Jacob, he's blessed. He has all this stuff. It's really awesome stuff. And he's going to go, uh, he's going to come back, and he wants to be sure that uh, there's not going to be any, you know, fights, or uh, he's not going to die if he comes. And, and so the, the, the guys uh, on that side are all now, um, you know, like, wow, he's blessed, that's cool. The brother says, awesome, 400 men in my army, stand up, let's go. And so the spy sees this whole picture playing out of his brother saying, hey, dudes, let's go see my brother. And the spy freaks out. He runs back to his brother, to, back to Jacob. And Jacob's standing there getting this uh, report. There's 400 um, dudes from, the, um, from his army coming right now. And so Jacob knows God wants him to go over. He can't stay where he is. God has made this plan very clear, and he's got to go. But his brother's on the other side with 400 men. Can you imagine how that feels? And any husbands in the house? Like, the wives are now on board to go. So you know you're going. Shift is about to happen. You with me? So the God shift is about to happen, but the plan that's in front of Jacob doesn't look great. It looks like God was not at work on his behalf. It looks like God's sending him back 
not for his good. It looks like going across the river, crossing that stream, going onto that land is taking me from bad to worse. Bad to worse. I um, go back for myself uh, 11 years ago. I have to do the math with my kids' age. <laughs> we were in Virginia, northern Virginia, Warrington area, a uh, beautiful area down there. was working at a church as the youth and worship leader and enjoying life. It was a sweet, sweet gig. Uh, I, just, I had so many friends. Uh, we had an awesome ministry. The ministry was exploding, and I couldn't tell you why. It was just God was moving in a powerful way. And I was sitting in my living room, and I was actually thanking God for how cool it was. And I opened up my Bible that morning, and I felt this prick in me get ready for a shift. And I was going, no, what? I love what I'm doing. And so I started to think through my brain. Oh, maybe he means it's going to get better. Oh, maybe he means, like, get ready for a shift. It's going to go from 300 youth to 3,000 youth. Like, come on, God. And I start praying. I get excited. I'm like, yeah, God, this is awesome. And, and then my wife comes in, and she's looking at me. She looks a little sad, and she's like, you know, I just get this feeling like God's going to move us. And I'm like, come on. I was not praying that way at all. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I kind of felt that. That week we were thinking, sorry, trash, thinking about that and not wanting to talk about it. You ever sit at the table and you know there's an elephant in the room you should be talking about but you don't want to talk about? All week long, quiet, silence. You go to bed, you look at each other. Eh. <laughs> it happens. Young people, you get there. <laughs> Say goodnight, you know, and <laughs> you just... It's not going to go there. So that Friday, Friday family fun night. You know, we we're gearing up for a fun time with the family, and my phone rang, and it was a New Zealand number. I come from New Zealand, hence the accent. It's not Southern Lancaster. And I see the number. I'm like, yo, uh, who's this? I, I don't know this number, but I know this is New Zealand. And they were like, yeah, hey, Bryce, we've been thinking about you and praying about you, and we'd really love for you to come to New Zealand and, and be our director of uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, babe. <laughs> I cut her off. She was feeding, I think, feeding the baby. Uh, the food and the food was everywhere. And I was like, come over here and listen to this. I put on speakerphone. This guy starts talking. We just start crying. Like we knew something was coming, right? And we didn't know what it was. And we were afraid to talk about what that plan might be because we were in such a great place that we thought, surely this means it's going to go from bad or from good to uncomfortable or worse. We were really unwilling to talk about it because we were unwilling to let go of it. And we were listening to this and we're going, man, if there was one thing that we would love to do, this would be it. Like right now, if we would walk away from what we're doing right now, if we would love to do anything, what was being described on that phone right there, we were going, we were looking at each other just, mm, we wish we'd trust God more. Like kicking ourselves. We wasted a week of 
worry and concern and not talking to each other, not enjoying the process of potential change that God is providing, we spent a week essentially complaining about it. And right there, God is showing His favor, His concern for the desires of our heart and speaking out through somebody else the joy that can be to follow God and His plan. And they describe this job that could be. And we're like, yeah, we'll pray about it. Hang up the phone. We look at each other and it's like, man, that God's annoying, right? Like, there's really no other phrase for it. Like, it's just cool, but it's annoying when there's stuff. So we're looking at it. We own cars. We own a house. The job starts in three months. We are got a, we've got a job here. Uh, our kids, you know, we're getting ready for school. They were young, but we were getting ready for school. There's a lot of change. And we felt, we heard from the Lord in our gut, in our spirit, in our time with the Lord that week, it's time to go. Man, that's annoying. So the one thing that was holding us back, the big thing that was hard for us was a house. Like, how do you sell a house? It was in the downturn market. All the houses when we bought it were, in Northern Virginia, really expensive. And now they were half what they were. So God said, put it on the market. So we did. First week, we have somebody come in and say, hey, so we heard you're selling. We'd love to buy your house. And we're like, of course you would, right? Of course God's been speaking to somebody else about wanting to be in this house. How annoying. That means i got to sell my cars, tell my boss I'm leaving, move across the world, pack our bags. Like All of this stuff began to play out in my mind. The domino effect of change began to play out. And so I thought, man, God, if that's it, like we're, we're a yes, but, man, we are leaning back because we, we can't in our, own, in our own strength. What about our kids? What about, what about our future? All those things. And God just started to talk to us about timing. God started to talk to us about the power of change, about some of the specifics that we were holding back on with him. And so we went through, I would say, a two-week intensive on the, the whole idea of allowing God into our uh, worry and concern, into our doubt, to work with us where we're at. Anybody here, you want, to, you want God to come and work with you where you're at, right? Because I, I was not there where I should have been, and I recognize that. I'm saying, God, but I want to be where you need me to be. I want to be the yes guy for you. I want to be responsive and, and reactive to the Spirit of God and to your leading. And, man, I'm just not there. I recognize that. And I thought I was. Like, I thought I was there. I thought I had made it, man. Apparently not. So I go with God and say, okay, we're going to come back to our roots. My wife and I, we met at Elam Bible Institute, and when we got married, we said, we'll go where you want us to go. We'll do what you want us to do. We'll be who you want us to be. And that was the prayer of our heart. And it was cool was we had said that, each of us, um, in separate accounts. And when we came together, I had said to her, I said, hey, if you're marrying me, just know you might find yourself scrubbing toilets in an island somewhere serving the Lord. 
because I've said to him, I will go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll be who you want me to be. And she said, sign me up, because I prayed the same thing. And I said, yay, God, there's a woman for me, because I was doubting. So I'm telling you, I struggle with that. Struggle with that. And so we said, yes, God. And we began to sell things. We began to, um, we worked with our employer to let them know. Um, but the camp had said to us, hey, we really need you at a certain time to start because there's someone uh, retiring. And we have, the, it was a Christian camp uh, down there directing it and, and re- kind of rebooting. They were losing uh, children across the country from the youth camps, and they were afraid that camps would dissolve. And, uh, and it's a mainstay of the Christian the church down there, and so they need it. And so I was coming to, to redo their leadership training and revamp camps. And so uh, when, I, when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's really bad timing for us, but we will, we'll do it. Like, we'll, yes, God. And so everything was very, very fast. And on uh, the week before we were leaving, I canceled our insurance and things because of the end of the month and all of that, and I didn't want to pay a whole month of insurance premium. And everything was, everything was kind of final. We had the money, we'd, our tickets, everything. We were getting ready to go. And my wife said, you know what? I need to do checkups for the kids, uh, medical checkups for the kids. We need to take that with us and, and be good to go. And Miles was drinking a lot of water that week. And we were like, that's really weird. So they took him to the, to the doctors that day. She, she took him to the doctors. I was at work. And she gave me a call. Uh, when, basically, when she arrived, I thought she was arriving, so I, I pick up the phone, and she's, you know, crying over the phone, saying, um, uh, we have to go to the hospital. Um, Miles' sugar is 700 and something. And I'm like, what? Are you, like, that's crazy. Yeah, we're going to UVA. So I, you know, packed everything up and, and jumped in, in the car and headed down, met her on the road, and we drove to UVA with my son at the time, two and a half years old. And uh, we, we got to UVA, we went in, they rushed us to, um, to get him uh, on fluids and different things like that. And uh, the doctor came in and there were three staff standing there after they did their initial checkups. And uh, the doctor and the other department heads, I could see on their thing, it was department heads, were standing there and there was only one of them not crying. And, I, and I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm like, you people are professionals. Like, stop it. They're crying, and they, they, the, the, the one lady starts to stutter and tell us, you're going to need training, and normally you would be here three, four days, but because your insurance is lapsed, we need to do this in six hours and get you out. Otherwise, your bill will be, and they begin to tell us, you know, in the sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars and they're crying because they know how hard it's going to be for our week. And the, the, the one lady began to tell us, you know, train us on how to check his sugars because he's a type 1 diabetic and he's going to need insulin three, four times a day and check his sugar ten times a day. And, um, and so we're processing all of this, right? And I'm standing there and I can feel my wife begin to get weak. And I, you know, grab her, and we, I just begin to pray through hearing this hard news. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, but we're leaving the country in a few days. What are we going to do? And I'm thinking, and God, you, you know all things. 
What in the world? In life, there's always stuff. God always offers a way, and we always have choices. In that moment, our choice was to pray. And then when they left, and uh, they were going to start the training for us in about five minutes, we prayed. We said, God, we know you have a plan. We know that we have choices to make. We have a lot to learn, and we know that we really, really need you. And so help us work through this. Help us have what is needed to get through what's in front of us. And I'll tell you, man, the peace of God that was in that room at that time, I've never, ever felt it like that before or since. But God's favor and his peace was right there. We were able to receive the training uh, on how to, t- to care for him in six hours. If you're a nurse or a doctor, you know there's all kinds of things to know about it. We, we had no clue. I didn't know, what a, I didn't know how to count my carbohydrates. I didn't know what carbohydrates really were. I didn't know that sugars and carbohydrates were different. And I didn't know what gluten was. What we found out that day was he uh, was also a cel- had celiac disease. And so his carbohydrates needed to be without any gluten. So in uh, 12 hours, we learned all about diabetes and celiac disease and how to manage life differently. When I think about change over that 12-hour period, I think about how hard it was for me to adapt and how hard it was for me to put my trust where it needed to be. The hardest thing, or the often the biggest thing, is what Jacob found out in chapter 32 of Genesis. The process for him ended with him wrestling with God. And I want to read that real quick because it describes a similar process that I went through. You guys have your Bibles there. Let's read it together. I'm going to read it. Don't read it out loud. It's too long. I'll read it for us. Genesis 32. He sent the messengers. He sent the stuff over the stream. And he's on the other side. He's about to go. And in verse, thir- uh, verse 22, he said, And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two handmaids and his eleven children and passed over the ford of the Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the stream and sent over that which he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was strained as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not, I will not let you go, except you bless me. And he said unto him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. 
For thou hast striven with God and with men and hast prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it, is it that thou dost ask me my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. And we've heard this story before, right? God, God was wrestled with by Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. And I think when I think about change, I think about the process. Most of us don't have beef with the process or with the change. We have beef with God. Our biggest problem is with God. When I think about that issue, what I was facing, my biggest issue was not the pain or the, the stuff with my son. My biggest beef was with God and, and feeling like, God, you let me down. Where were you? Where are you right now? Where's your healing power that I've sung about, preached about, talked about? Where is it now? And if we're real about our change and real about what's in front of us, the stuff, and why we struggle with moving f- forward with his plan is because I got beef with you, God. And so I'm sitting in that room ready to leave to go home with my son, and I don't have beef with the doctors. I don't have beef. I know I'm going figure, to figure out, you know, how to deal with diabetes. But, God, me and you, we got beef. We got issues. Like, we need to talk. You ever, you ever had, had that with God? You're like, God, we need to talk. We're going out. Right? Jacob said, man, I, I got beef. Jacob's saying, you know, I, I see what's on the other side, and it's probably going to take my life. This looks way hard, God. I don't want to go. But I have been obedient to send my wives over. <laughs> right? I, I've got my stuff over there, but I'm standing here, and I'm willing-ish to go. But his beef isn't with going, really, or dying. What is it with? It's with God. I got beef with God. I got, I got stuff. I got issues. Like if we're real today about the stuff in life, right? Most of us, we can handle the stuff, but the fact is we've said God is real. God is faithful. God is true. His word is true. We know he is who he said he is. He did go to the cross and die for my sin. He is the one who is uh, scarred for me. His blood was poured out over me, and he covers me. All of this. And we know it and we believe in faith, and yet our issues in life, the beef that we have, is not necessarily with the issue, but with that faithful, awesome God. Why did you bring this stuff? It's like he knows what button to push, right? My wife says that about me. It's like God knew about you when he put me with you. My beef is not with you, Bryce. It's with God. <laughs> I'm going to take it up with him. I said, good, because I ain't changing. No, I'm just kidding. No, I love change. Most people hate that about me, but I run into change because I know that as I run into that stuff, I become more dependent on him. I lean into the unknown with him more because that's what happened that day. When I got home, I got nothing but God. I got nothing that anchors me in that place of hardship but God. And so as much as I have beef with God, He is my beef. Like He's my, he's my brawn. He's my strength. He's my, the thing that I lean on, lean into through that stuff. So I, it goes hand in hand. That my beef is with you, but you are also my strength. 
And so my, my sentiment here is, is, here's Jacob looking across in his worry and his concern. And so he held, he held on and he wrestled with and he pulled down on God so much so that, that it was recognized. You know what? That tenacity with me, Jacob, you holding on to me is what, I, what I'm looking for in man. That's, that's what I desire to get from those that are following me. See, and sometimes we see the situations and we think God doesn't want us to wrestle with it and wrestle with him. But he, he, I believe, just like in Revelation 3.20, he's, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you welcome me and I want to sit with you and eat with you, where were most of those uh, conversations that were hard in the times when John was saying that about Jesus? All of the arguments, you can go today to Israel and sit down. Or, or, or just street watch, walk down the street. Where are the conversations that are heavy and arguments happening? Across a table on the side of the street while they're eating. They're best friends and they're screaming at each other in their face or yelling at each other. And you've got to recognize Jesus wanting to sit at the table with us is wanting to work through the hard stuff. He's wanting to sit down and say, yeah, I get it. Okay, wrestle with me. Come on. Let's talk about it. Get it out. Share with me your doubt. You feeling it? You feeling hurt? You don't, want to, you don't want to go with my plan? Tell me why. Why? Because ultimately, the ultimate win for God is a deeper relationship with Him. I love that song, Old Hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. It's not that you would have victory or that Jacob would win in that situation over his wrestle. It's that he wrestled. The victory is that he was close. The victory is that after that, God blessed the wrestle by punching him in the hip or whatever he did to make him limp. So then every day after, he goes, oh, yeah, that's right. I need him. Oh, that's right. I, I need Jesus. Like, I need God. And, and I, I would say, man, those people that I lean into most are those that, that have limps. Pastor Sam has been uh, such a huge example for me and someone I lean into because he walks with a limp. I have this stuff and this beef with God, and I work through it. doesn't deny that. My mother, whom if, you know, someday I'll come back and share that story, a woman of faith, she was raped, and I'm the product. And today, she walks with a limp, and she has that story, and she would testify today, standing in front of us, she would say, I am nothing without God. People with limps are those people that I want to be with. Jacob was named Israel after that. Known now around the world as people of faith. Israel, those who have faith in God. As sons and daughters of the Most High God, His ultimate win with us is to walk with us, wrestle with us, spend time with us. Right? So here, here's the cool thing. There's always stuff. God always offers a plan, right? And we have a choice. Will we walk into it? Will we shift? Or will we drift? I want to ask the worship team to come back and just lead us as we get ministered to. But I want to talk about shifting and drifting real quick as they come. Jacob had an opportunity to drift. He could have gone into the desert and drifted and been a nomad, right? 
he could have drifted through seasons of just wandering through and making his own way. But he saw two choices, to stay or go. And I think God is calling each of us into this uh, style of life where we accept and move into God's shifts and not into drifting. I think the world drifts. I think we shift. And we don't necessarily have a lot of options all the time. Like Jacob. Like me. There's just stuff. And so I am presented with an opportunity to shift into what God has or to drift. And I just end up where? Right back at that decision to either shift or drift again. Because it's cyclic, right? If you've done this before, you've, you've seen a situation in your life where you're like, man, God's calling me to shift. He's, he's, he's asking me to let go of this thing or move through this thing. And, and you say, man, I, I don't want to do it. Or it's too hard. Or surely, God, you rationalize it. Surely, God, you wouldn't ask me to do that. So you rationalize it away and you begin to drift through life. You, you drift through circumstance and situation in your marriage or in a business decision or in school or decision for where you want to go in life. You just drift. Say, yeah, that looks like a good thing, so we'll just do it. In the meantime, God's there with an opportunity for you to step into a, a calling or, or a thing that's, that's ultimate. And he's saying, here, I, I'm, I'm offering it. And our wrestle with wanting to take that shift is this scary. It requires much of us. So that shift into the God thing means that we have to do this. We have to go to God and wrestle. It requires first that we, we take our beef with God, right? Because the ultimately why we don't take His option is because we doubt Him. We doubt what He's doing and, and what He's about. And, and so this story of Jacob and Esau is a perfect example because on the other side of the river, little to, to his knowledge or understanding, Jacob is looking across the river and his view and his sight, he sees death. He sees destruction. He sees the ultimately, I'm going to step into something that's going to mean my family, all that I've worked for is going to just go away. When he introduces his family, when he gets to the other side, he's introducing him. You, you'll notice he says, this is my family. Look at, my, look at all of my kids and look at my wives. And, and he introduces them first because he's so proud of what God has blessed him with in family. Jacob's a righteous man. He's, a, he's an awesome dude love him. I'd love to meet him one day. But as he looks across the river and, and he's wrestling with God, he's wrestling with the God shift that he's been called to, he has his perspective and he's unwilling to let it go. And little did he know that on the other side, and this is so true for all of us, on the other side, God is, is not just a work here, but God on the other side, he's at work over here. God is at work over here with Esau. God is doing a work in him and doing a reconciliation of the hurt and the, 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 the pain and the shame and the, the guilt of the past. Esau is getting a whole other kind of wrestle going on. Because at the, the idea of his brother coming, instead of coming alone and running, he gets 400 of his men to stand up and come with him as a sign of saying, I am with you and for you. And on this side, Jacob sees that as, He's coming after me. He wants to kill me. So Jacob crosses over after wrestling with God with a limp. 
going, okay, God, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I trust you. And he walks into this land with a limp. And here it shows up his brother, who should be, by all account, willing to take the life of his brother. And instead of it being a thing where Esau is all over him with his 400 men, he runs and he embraces his brother and picks him up because God has been at work the whole time in Esau's heart. God's been preparing his heart on the other side of this thing as much as God's been working on and in Jacob. Sometimes we forget that, right? We think God's just at work over here and over there is like some chasm of, of darkness without God. And this is not true. The Bible tells us that He goes before us. I'll never lead you into anything I wouldn't do. And I, I love this about God that His plan for us is to be with us. It's true that God wants more for you than He wants from you. And so for Jacob, as he's running into this or limping into this situation, he forgot that God wanted more for him than he wanted from him. He was saying, basically to to God, saying, man, you just want from me, God. I'm going to send all my stuff in there. I'm going to give it to Esau, and and maybe my life's going to be spared. And God's saying, no, no, no. But I'm going to let you think that. And on the other side, as Esau embraced him, I'm convinced that as his brothers embraced, came around him, that light bulb started to come on about that fact that God, no, God wanted more for me than he wanted from me. And he wanted to be with me, and he wants to go with me. And so he carries the name Israel, and he continues and births the nation of Israel that brings about our Savior Jesus. Our Savior Jesus who shows up on the scene as a man willing to bridge the gap between us and God. Because there's a big chasm between us and God. Mostly because of our doubt. Mostly because of our sin. And so only one could close that gap and bridge the gap between us and God. And that was Jesus. What was set in motion in that embrace of Esau was that God's going to do and He's going to go before us in many, many ways to bring about radical reconciliation where there seems to be no way. God is going to make a way. He's going to bridge every gap He's going to bring together every uh, corner of the globe under one name, that is Jesus. He's going to bring every uh, sin under His blood, and He's going to cover it for all time. And there will be peace, and there will be healing, and there will be joy. And so the bridge builder, Jesus, gives us this great picture right now, whatever your stuff is, whether it's sin, whether it's choice, whether it's big deal stuff, a child that's sick with an ongoing illness like diabetes, you know, we face this daily, faithful father, faithful friend, we got a lot of beef with you, but we're going to walk this out with you, that's a choice, 
And so this is, this is the call as we worship this morning. We come before Him. Is whatever beef you have with God, whatever stuff is in front of you, would you acknowledge that, yeah, my beef, I do have beef with God. And I do want to walk with Him, but it's hard, maybe. So what will you do with that? Will you wrestle it out? And will you go before Him? Will you look for Him to do some reconciliation in your heart today? Because that's what Jesus did. He came and He built the bridge. This morning, I'm believing there's some people here that are wrestling with decisions, big choices, big stuff in your life. God just wants to build a bridge. He wants to show you a path, a plan that He has for you. You've been wrestling with making a different choice or going your own way. God's offering it again. So will you go? Will you take that step? Will you do the deep dive with me? So I want to pray for anybody that is uh, here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to pray and uh, feel free to just in your heart, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. He said you will be saved. So you're here. I'm going to pray now for you. And please come and talk to me or, or any one of the staff here at this church about your decision to trust God. And I'm going to pray also for all of us. And then they're going to worship. And I'm sure we can do ministry if there's time. But Father God, we thank you that you are who you said you are. That you gave us many examples in the Bible of your faithfulness, your assurance, and your desire for a relationship with us. I love that you stepped out of heaven. You came to earth as a baby and you lived here, dwelt here among us, and then went to a cross and died a painful death. Also that we could come back into relationship with you. Your, your heart is so for us to come back in relationship. And I just pray that today, Father, each and every one of us would, uh, whatever we're facing, whatever big deal, whatever beef we have with you or beef we have with life, Lord God, I pray that uh, ultimately today we take a step towards working that out with you. Maybe a step away from drifting, but a step into the God shift that you've called us to. Father, I, I just pray for all of us here. Lord God, I, I thank you, I, Father. I pray for an impartation of faith. God, for strength for those that are facing hard things, big questions in life. Father, I pray for breakthrough. I pray that chains would be broken, that healing would come. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for that here in this place. In Jesus' name.
awesome. Thank you, Bryce. Awesome word. If you're here and you hear the invitation to wrestle with God, if we could just have the prayer ministers come and line up across the front here. And Bryce, if you want to hang out and pray for people too, that's awesome. Um, we're just going to take some time and pray. And otherwise, you will dismiss. But I, I want to encourage you to wrestle with God and engage Him. Engage the Lord. You know, just out of Job, you know, um, God invites Job to sit with him, invites him to wrestle with him. And the only people that had a problem in Job were Job's friends who drew conclusions without wrestling. So I want to encourage you to not draw conclusions without dealing with God. Don't draw conclusions without dealing with God. So the invitation to wrestle, the invitation to engage God is here this morning. I invite you to come and receive prayer for anything, anything you need prayer for. Um, we're going to pray for you, all right? Um, let's pray, and then we'll close off. And you guys, if you don't mind, just continue to play for a little bit. That would be awesome. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your heart to be with us, God. We thank you that you are with us. You never leave us nor forsake us, God. And, Lord, I ask for the courage to do the deep dives today courage to do the deep dives with you in relationship. Father, we thank you for this week coming up. I ask, Lord, that you would, uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, empower us in everything that you have called us to do this week, Lord, uh, in our jobs, in our relationships. Father, we thank you that we are built up today and encouraged today by your word and by the examples in your, in your word, Father. Holy Spirit, go with us. Go before us. Make a way where there seems to be no way. Thank you that you order our steps in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen.